Happy Father's Day to you fathers. Uh, super important day. Uh, I know that this reminds you of both your blessing and your call and uh, maybe even some of your failures, but also the grace of God that covers us in all our failings. And uh, so we celebrate that this day. I, I thank you, especially dads who are here today. Uh, you could have gotten away with doing anything today, uh, but you chose to come to church and uh, chose to hear from God. And so um, I'm grateful and that's encouragement to me as a fellow father uh, that I'm with you, uh, that I'm with you in that needing uh, our God to be enough for me, our, our, our Heavenly Father uh, to lead me as well. On a day like today, it's uh, fun to announce uh, that I believe on Friday morning, Moxie Sparrow Southward uh, was born. Um, she is she was born eight pounds, two ounces. Um, I don't know if that's big or small, but everything, everything's good, I hear. She's a beautiful little girl. I saw a picture of her. Um, and the Southward family has been changed because when you have two boys and no girls, and then you add a girl, things change. Uh, I'll say that from experience, that things change, and it's a good change. Uh, some would even say a necessary change, uh, so they don't grow up like cavemen. Um, so I'm thankful. What a, a great uh, blessing it is, and I consider uh, the children and youth of this church a blessing to us, that we get to be reminded that there are generations to come. We We have sung of that uh, every generation will sing and and we uh we desire that we desire to be a part of that and even this morning as we come to god's word uh my heart rejoices that we've come to a passage that speaks of heart for the gospel heart for the mission of the church that we would continue to build the church throughout generations in every city and also the heart of a father in the midst of their family and specifically to their children. And so we'll try to understand and think about all those things this morning as we go to God's Word. Last week, if you were here, uh, we looked at a mother's kind of love that Paul was displaying as he came uh, to the city of Thessalonica and to those who responded, his heart was tender towards them. And his heart uh, desired for them as a mother's heart desires for her little infant children. The infants that she protects and cares for and feeds and, and, and wants and desires and loves. Paul shared his own heart in that same way as a mother's love. This week uh, he turns uh, to another illustration, that of a father. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, as is fitting even on Father's Day. Um, and I didn't have to do too much manipulation to get us here on this day. Um, no, uh, no animals were harmed in this message this morning, okay? So if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you, uh, <clears throat> starting in verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. God's Word says this, for you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we would not be a burden to any of you. 
uh, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly uh, for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it uh, as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers, for you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, Uh, for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But uh, but wrath has come upon them at last. And God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that this morning our hearts would be encouraged to walk faithfully with you and trust in you and value what you value, treasure what you treasure, um, and commit our days uh, to serving you as you would have us do. God, thank you for this time and for the fathers here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look to God's word this morning, uh, we we're reminded that Paul and uh, Silas or Silvanus and, and Timothy are are communicating to a city they have relationship with, and not really to a city, but to a church that they have relationship with. They have uh, gone in, they've uh, shared the gospel, people have responded, a church was planted, and and now their heart is being poured out in a letter to them. One of the the things that we see come up over and over again is this challenge, this outward challenge to those believers that somehow Paul and the others had some other motive in sharing with them, that they were greedy for money, they were greedy for power, they were doing it out of their own selfishness in some way. Um, That's legitimate to ask, isn't it? we can point to different pastors and different men and women who have manipulated situations and done things in such ways that it was selfishly motivated. And so uh, that particular charge or challenge had to be answered by Paul. And uh, as is we've already seen, he uses the word brothers, th- this idea that we are family now, because of the gospel. And he is over and over again saying, remember. Remember how I came? Remember how we acted towards you? Remember how it was when we were there? Because when we were there, you remember how we were. Um, and he uses the, their recollection to dismiss the charges brought against him. This morning, we're going to look at verse 9. And uh, as I shared with you before, that previous passage what a beautiful one uh, where Paul says that 
they, they loved them so much, they cared for them so deeply that they shared with them their very lives with them. Uh, not just the gospel, but the gospel plus their life because they'd become so dear to them. And really, what a model for ministry for us as we consider how God wants us to reach our community. And I'll say it even this way, uh, to reach our kids and grandkids. Uh, what an important mission field that is. So we go to God's Word, uh, verse 9. And as we talked about last week, uh, Paul and moms act this way. This week we're going to talk about Paul and dads, okay? Uh, as is fitting for the day as well as our passage. Paul says in verse 9, he says, For you remember, brothers, remember, brothers, that, that idea, our labor and toil, we work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. As you look at this passage, uh, Paul says, remember how we came. Remember how we came. Our labor and toil. Labor and toil. Um, some of you have had jobs like this. Uh, they were hard, hard jobs. They were laborious they were uh, uh, seasons of your life where you had to work super hard physically. The backdrop of Paul, what he's sharing here, is most likely his tent-making skills. Uh, we know from the book of Acts that Paul had the skill of that they termed tent-maker or leather worker. We're not sure how that all comes together, but he had a skill or a trade. And as he went along, as needed... He worked in that trade. And so Paul is bringing to their mind uh, that they probably worked in that setting, in that city, in that town uh, for a portion of time. They took in work so that they could do something. And what was it that they were doing? Sharing the gospel. And so he says, do you remember uh, our labor and toil? The word labor is wearisome. Fatiguing labor coming from strenuous activity. I, some of you know about this, and you, the next day you get up after a day like this, doing this kind of work, and you know you worked yesterday. Your body is telling you that you worked yesterday. Uh, your eyes hurt. Your back is sore. Your knees are snap crackling and popping. And you go, oh, it's this kind of strenuous work that says, I worked. And he's picturing his time in Thessalonica, and he says, you remember our labor. You remember our labor. He, he chooses another word, too. He says, uh, toil, uh, labor and toil. Toil, th this different word, is pointing to the outward activities that make it hard. It's like the, the outward pressures that make it hard. It, it, it's interesting. It, it, it'd be like, um, you know, in the middle of winter trying to be an ice salesman, right? There's, it, it's hard to do a job like that. Why? Because uh, it, it, there's outside pressures. The, the, the weather doesn't help you. There's some jobs that are easy. Ice during the summertime, it's a simple thing. Uh, you know, shaved ice. You can even sell shaved ice. 
And people like it. They come, they, they want that. It, there's a picture, there's a picture, and, and what he's pointing to is, he says, you remember our labor, our strenuous uh, body that, that hurt, the, the work that we did, as well as the toil, the outside, the influence there that made it difficult. And I want to tell you that this is the picture that Paul and, uh, and Silas and Timothy, as they came into the town, it wasn't easy for them to come. In fact, uh, even as we would call these things their missionary journeys, uh, I, I want to tell you that this is very different. This is very different than what we would call missionary work today. And you say, well, how is it different? Most of our missionaries are supported through this church. They're supported so that they don't have to work as they go and as they share the gospel, even as I don't have to work outside of here to share the gospel and to share God's word here. And, and you see this, and Paul says, uh, you remember how we came. This wasn't something that was motivated by greed. <laughs> this wasn't an easy deal. Remember we talked about before that he, he didn't say, you know, I, I want to go to Thessalonica because I really like to travel. <clears throat> And I hear it's beautiful this time of year. And I hear it's by the sea. I love the beach. You know, he, those weren't his motivations. His motivations were simply to share the gospel. And even at cost to himself. Even at difficult cost to himself. <clears throat> he says to them, you remember our labor and toil. You remember seeing us work. Um, there's a picture there. If you could imagine it like this that uh, maybe he was in his work clothes as he came to preach the gospel. He smelled of leather, or maybe he, he, he smelled of hard work, and there was this uh, idea that he did that, and they knew it, so that he could do this and share with them. And they knew it. In fact, he, he says labor and toil, but he also says, you remember our labor and toil, our hard work, um, that even uh, labor and toil, we worked night and day, night and day. The picture of working night and day, it's not that he worked all the time. He never slept, but he didn't keep banker's hours, right? He didn't roll in at nine and leave at five and take an hour lunch break. He, he didn't have this clock in, clock out mentality. It was the idea that, hey, we work when we need to here so that we can work when we work here. And we do what needs to be done. And, and in this first section, as he describes this, the, the description is that of hard work, hard work. And when I think of Paul, the Apostle Paul, and dads, hard work comes to mind. The idea that it, it, the the task deserves it, right? Um, it's always interesting as a young man you uh, get your first job. Maybe maybe you all can remember getting your first job. And I didn't really get my first job. My first job came and got me. Worked for my father, uh, and. And I, I worked for him on the construction side, and some of that work was really hard, but you, you showed up at a certain time, and then there was quitting time. And then after that, you, you thought to yourself, this is my time. This is my time. 
I, I remember uh, we got paid weekly back in those days. I don't know if that's still true, but uh, it was great because you, you got that check and there was a sense of reward to that. And, and you'd say to yourself, I remember one particular, I, I just went out and I blew a bunch of money. I, I went and I can't remember all that I did, but I, I, I bought things that I really didn't need. But it was a sense where I worked hard and I thought I deserved it and it was all, all about me. I want to tell you, as Paul describes uh, his daytime activities and his nighttime activities, it wasn't about him. He worked hard. He worked hard uh, making tents or leather work or whatever that was. And then he worked hard sharing the gospel. And they were sometimes daytime events and nighttime events. There wasn't a sense of quitting time. And I want to tell you that that's true for the missionary. And that's true for the dad as well. It's not about quitting. It's not about I'm done. I'm done. It's about hard work. Hard work. And Paul uh, says to them, remember, remember uh, our toil and labor. Remember our daytimes and our nighttimes. Paul wasn't one that after he got done with his day work, he sat at home watching HGTV and the World Series of Poker. Um, he was one who went about saying, God, what do, you, what do you have for me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you, what do you want me to do? And, and this is super important. Uh, when you think about the gospel mission, it drives us uh, to do things. And if you think about the gospel mission in your home, dads, it drives us to do things. It drives us and drives us to hard work. I want to tell you, men can be lazy. It's easier to preach, by the way, on Father's Day than it is on Mother's Day. Men can be lazy. I'm glad none of you ladies said, amen. That's good preaching. Uh, men can be lazy. Men can be selfish. Uh, men can be driven by things uh, that are unimportant. But I want to tell you that also um, men, if they understand what they're doing, they understand what they're doing and they understand the importance of the big picture. They can work like crazy. They can work hard. They can be tireless if they know why they're doing what they're doing. And Paul shared that. He says, you know, the reason I do this is to share the gospel. And men, uh, I want to tell you, why should you be hard workers? Why should you be tireless in your task? Because of what God has blessed you with, what he's given you, the opportunity he's given you. Uh, it's always interesting to me when I, I speak with older people, and pretty quick I'm getting to be one of them. Um, they, they always say, oh, time flies. Don't blink. Uh, you know, time is short. And, and I, you always wonder as a young man, why are they bothering me with this? Because it's true. And if we get lost in selfish pursuits, if we get lost in our own desires, guess what? A couple of blinks and our opportunities will be gone. They'll be gone. And so uh, for Paul and dads, they need to know how to work hard. They, they need to know about hard work. 
not being what we um, maybe call out in our hearts for, that lazy man obsessed with things that don't matter, but ones who are focused on the value of the church and the value of the home, willing to work hard filling our roles. And what is that? Proclaiming the gospel. Proclaiming the gospel. Um, Paul uses a, a particular term here, and he keeps using it over and over again. The gospel of God. The gospel of God. Um, it's not the gospel according to Paul. It's not Paul's message that he made up. He went out as a herald, as a messenger of God's message. And as he went into that city, he went in as a messenger for God, for God, sharing his message. Um, it, what's so great about this role that we play in sharing the gospel is that uh, if people don't like it, we, we could say, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just the messenger. But this is a great message given by a God who loves you so much. The gospel of God, he's a herald of that. And that's why he went. That's why he went into that city to share God's message. Well, secondly, um, as we look at Paul and dads, they have lives that point the way. If you look down at verse 10, um, and once again, he's recollecting, he's, he's stirring up their memory. And he says this, he says, you are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Um, he, he says, you remember, and what a bold statement, so does God. God sees, and, and th th that's a tough thing, isn't it, men? And ladies as well. That you might be able to fool people out there, right? Oh, he's such a good guy. Um, and you, I don't know if you've heard, had this happen to you, but uh, you're meeting someone in town here and, and they mention someone's name and you kind of cringe and they say, they're such a great guy. And you're going, are we talking about the same person here? Because I've never thought of them as a great guy or I've never thought of them as someone who's upstanding. And I know some things about them. Uh, that, that's interesting out there. But how about in here, right? We know each other a little bit better. But even we might be able to fool each other. Uh, we might be able to even, it's pretty hard to do, but you might be able to fool your spouse and kids. Probably not possible, by the way. Probably not possible. They know who you are. They know who you are. But God always knows, right? He always knows. He has a clear picture of who you are. And so as Paul shared, he said, uh, God knows who we are. And so do you. Because you remember how we came. And how did they come? What were the three things that uh, he described or listed? Holy, righteous, and blameless. Holy, righteous, and blameless. Uh, boy, those are tough three, aren't they? Holy, righteous, and blameless. The idea of being right and uh, without blemish and stain and the idea that a charge can't be uh, brought about. How, how can he say that? And I want to say it this way. Only because of the work of God done in his life. Who was Paul? Oh, the Christian murderer is coming to town to share us now a message from the God 
of the church that he used to try to eradicate and he killed people. There's blood on it. Like, how does all this come together? And yet Paul says, holy, righteous, and blameless. I want to tell you, men, uh, do not try to do this on your own. Do not try to fool people into thinking that you are holy, righteous, and blameless in and of yourself. The only way to be this is to be a man changed, marked, and empowered for the day by the same God who saves you. And so Paul said, you remember, you remember how we came. Uh, that you remember uh, that we had lives that point the way. Uh, as he says these three words, he says, in our conduct toward you believers, that the idea that it, it lived out in the way we treated you. I want to tell you, uh, men, our actions show what's going on inside. The things that we say, the way we treat people, the, the, the way we go about uh, loving our wife and the way we uh, raise our children, this shows what's going on inside. And, and it, it's very difficult to come to grips with that, isn't it, men? Most of us have good uh, showcase moments where we are up on stage and we have family meetings and we say, Father is going to speak now. And I'm going to say something brilliant and perfect and holy and blameless. And then I'm going to say amen at the end. And then I'm going to be able to go do whatever I want to do. I want to tell you that it's the whole course of one's life. It's all that we are. And I want to say it this way. Uh, It's the pointer. um, It's the thing that points the way for us. And Paul says, remember, uh, our, our lives, the way we conducted ourselves pointed the way for you. Pointed the way. It wasn't just a message of the gospel. He, he already had sh- said that he, they shared their very lives. Their conduct pointed the way to the gospel. And I'll say it this way. He talked about how they worked hard to share the message. They also lived the message. They also lived the message. And he was calling upon them to remember how they lived. The conduct of their lives. Dads, um, you may rejoice at this. You say, you don't have to have a lot of words. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to uh, speak a lot of words and always have the right thing to say. But your lives should point the way. Your lives should point the way. Your lives should be a compass for your kids so that when they grow up, even when you're not around, it should be the compass that reminds them of which way to go. They should be able to say, I don't know what God wants me to do, so I'm going to pray about that. But I know this is the way my dad did it. And if I ask the question, this is the way dad did it, this is the way he treated us, this is the way he handled situations, and I pray that God will direct me, he'll give me the answer. And dad should be able to be an illustration or a tool of the Lord, the Holy Spirit uses to say, I'm going to do it like dad did it conduct that points the way i know that's heavy uh, but men uh, this is what god calls us to be 
As we move on, Paul uh, reminded them uh, of his conduct, of how they came, that they were known through their lives. And thirdly, uh, Paul and dads are caring truth speakers, caring truth speakers. Verse 11 says this, for, you know, how like a father with his children. Like a father with his children. Now, uh, most of you know that um, I'm in retirement right now. I used to be like an amazing baseball coach, an amazing baseball coach. Uh, by the way, <coughs> best I ever got was first base, first base coach. Because if you know baseball at all, first base coach doesn't do a whole lot compared to third base coach. You know, third base coach has signs and stuff like that. First base coach is giving them a high five or something when they get down there and say, try to remind them how many outs there are and stuff like that. Anyways, but first base, that was, that was the pinnacle of my career right there. Uh, but I'm in retirement right now. And uh, some, some people do coach baseball teams that aren't their own kids. I've never done that. I've always uh, coached my own kids. And so my kid was one of the kids on the team. So uh, in, in, in baseball, like in soccer, or basketball, or any, any sport, when you coach with kids, there's always a ton of things that go wrong. And coaches tend to yell. Right, Jimmy? Uh, Jimmy, I coached with Jimmy a little bit. Uh, uh, but anyways, uh, so you s sometimes yell. And there, there's this thing where you're yelling at other people's kids. It's kind of fun, you know. Uh, uh, you're yelling at them, don't do that, do this, do that. And you're trying to get them to perform and to learn and to grow and to, to ultimately win the game. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Um, but uh, so this is what you're, you're, you're kind of shaping them. But there's this thing when it's your own kid that separates all the other kids on the team from, from you. And as a coach, you're going, you know, I'm not going to yell at you right now. We're going to talk about this later. And, and there's this special, this idea that, that if you see something in your own child, you're going, we're going to, th this is going to become an issue. And this is going to be something, that, and, and most of the time it goes like this. This isn't about baseball. That look I saw in your eye, that thing that you said to that other kid, the way you handled that strikeout, this isn't about baseball anymore. It's about you being my child that I care about, that, that this isn't about 11-year-old uh, Little League anymore, okay? This is about something important, and you are my child, and so I will take special care with you. There's other kids on the team, you go, ain't my kid. Ain't my kid. You know, I, I got to deal with them right now, and I will. But ultimately, once, you know, it all after snack time, right, <laughs> this isn't my problem anymore. But you are my child. And, and, and Paul, as he looked at those, those people, those believers in Thessalonica, he looked at them and he says, as a father looks out for his child, I have that same heart for you. And I want to tell you, a, a father's heart for his child isn't about embarrassment. Isn't about just winning today. It's about when they're 30, right? It's about, uh, and, and fathers do this thing. I hate to let the cat out of the bag. Sorry, men, for uh, breaking the bro code and 
letting some of the secrets out. But men are always doing this thing where they're looking at their life right now and they're looking at the scars and bruises and deficiencies. And then they're looking at their kids and they're working backwards. Right. And they're trying to go, uh, Okay, dad didn't get his act together, so we've got to try to get that. But don't do that. Let's try to shape this in such a way so when you're dad's age, you won't have the problems that dad has. And the, the things that happened along the way here that I could have avoided, I'm seeking to, to shape you and mold you in such a way where you will not experience the sins of failure that I experienced. And they're desiring to shape them. This isn't specifically uh, for just fathers, but I know it to be fathers. I know it to be fathers, and so does Paul. And so as he shares, he says, like a father. He uses three words again in verse 12, and he says, we exhorted each one of you, encouraged you, and charged you. Uh, These three words, kind of interesting. You might have different translations there. Uh, and different uh, defining of these Greek words. But all three of these words, without too much finagling, could be translated encourage. Think about that. That There are different ways to encourage each of these three words. The first one used there, um, it's encouraged by calling to a new course of action. It's this idea that says, Uh, some exhorted or admonished, but it's this idea of saying, uh, don't do that, don't do that. But it's not just don't do that, it's do this. Come over here, come away from that to this. I want to tell you that uh, fathers, and you should fathers, be willing to, to call away, call away your children from that which is wrong. You'd be willing to do that. And not because of what happens today, but because of what happens when they're 30. It's not just about the comforts of the day. It's about where this train is leading. And this idea that Paul said, we came to you when we came to you, we were carrying truth speakers. We were willing to exhort, admonish, and to call you and encourage you to come away from that to something greater. And and I want to tell you, the gospel is calling them away from the life that they're living to following after Jesus Christ. It's not the same deal. It's not a, a slight tweak on the way you're living. It's abandon that way and come follow after Jesus. He uses the word exhort or admonish, but that word is an encouraging word of saying, encourage to call them away. The second word used there is encouraged by soothing words of comfort meant to inspire them. It's this idea of, hey, you're doing great as you come away, right? You can make it. It's this idea of these kind words. And I I, I love to see fathers go to their stumbling and fumbling children in the picture of them going, hey, you're going to make it, bud. You're going to make it. It's okay. They're all wound up inside and they're bothered. And and a father comes and he says, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Stay with it. Words of encouragement to soothe their soul. And then that last word, to charge you, 
is a word of encouragement as well. It's an urging and insisting and insisting. You must, you must, you must. You know, a father in the home uh, can fulfill a role of saying, no, this isn't going to go that way. Of saying, yes, this must be true. And, and for your children to, to hold them on the shoulders and to look them in the eye and insist on something better for them. And for Paul, he says, this is the way I came to encourage you. I insisted in, on this way, not because it looked, made me look good, but because it was best for you to insist on it in the Lord, to encourage them to not quit. What a father does and the words that he uh, connects with Paul, that's right here. He, a father is unwilling to just let things happen. Let things happen. There's this sense of uh, a father in a home and watching with their children and watching their children do something that's detrimental to them. And he says, we got to stop this right now. I'm unwilling to look the other way. I'm unwilling to let you go your merry way. There's this thing right now that, um, and I don't want to get wound up about this. It's already getting long, but I have to say this. Um, There's this thing right now of raising children that says, just let them do whatever they want to do. It's really not new. It's just maybe more prevalent, you know. Let uh, Let them choose. They're three. You know, they should be able to make life decisions for themselves. What clothes they wear. What things, you know, what things they eat. What, uh, um, you know, when they go to bed, when they get up. When they sit at the table, where they sit at the table. What gender they are. Okay, I said it. I want to tell you as fathers, I, I, I want to tell you our hands are on the wheel. Our hands are on the wheel. We don't sit back like this and go, let's see where this car will go. There's an unwillingness for fathers and a role for fathers to say, I, I will not let go of this wheel. And you know what? Kids may not like it. Kids may not like it. That's okay. Fathers, fill your role. Fill your role. Paul says, when I came to you, I, I came to you with a, a mother's heart, but I also came with a father's heart that says this, that I was unwilling to just let things happen because I was concerned about your destination. I was a loving guide to you. And that's what a father is, a loving guide. A loving guide looking down the road, the big picture and saying, I got to shape this. I got to continue to encourage this. I need to bring this in. This has a destination. Well, uh, the end of verse 12 tells us this uh, destination, this charging, this urging, that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Where is this destination? What is this that we're hoping for? That uh, Paul was hoping for those people in Thessalonica. He was hoping for them that their lives would change, their walk would change, that it would go from being one that's marked by that city to now being marked and 
in a manner worthy of God. That now their lives would no longer be of their own kingdom, of their own glory. It would now be fixated on God's glory and God's kingdom. And I want to tell you, this is the role of fathers as well, that we look at our children and we look at our grandchildren and we say, our desire for you is not that you would one day be a professional baseball player, an engineer, um, or whatever, but that we would desire for you to have a life, a walk in a, a manner worthy of God, that you would be fixated on His kingdom and His glory in your life and home. And for that next generation, right? This is what we're doing. Three things for you as we close our time for us to consider as we close. First of all, the gospel and family take uh, sacrificial effort and are worth it. <laughs> sacrificial effort. Uh, it's interesting to me. I see some young men here, some who are married, some who are not married. Uh, but this is a day for them to prepare, right? To look to the future and say, maybe I'll be a father someday. And, and, and I want to tell you, it takes sacrifice to be a father. It takes sacrifice. But sacrifice is not a dumb word. It's not something that's worthless. If what you're sacrificing for is worth it, and I want to tell you, the church and the family is worth it. It's worth it. And so for us as men, as fathers, as uh, people of the gospel, that we would say, yes, I willingly sacrifice. It's worth the effort. Secondly, uh, your life should precede and validate your words. Precede and validate your words. So, so remember what Paul says, right? He says, uh, you remember, you remember. And I want to tell you, men, uh, it's not we we share the gospel and then we try to live up to it. It's that we're always pointing to the gospel in what we do. And if we're seeking to share the gospel, the gospel's got to have root in us. And so for us to think that the two uh, can be different stories, I want to tell you those conflicting stories will um, confuse and probably cause those who are hearing and those who are watching to run away instead of being drawn to the gospel. Our lives should precede and validate the words that we share. And lastly, fathers and Paul were willing to tell, willing to tell. They were willing to say, uh, we got to go a different direction here. Uh, they're willing to, I, I like to say this, I realize it's a bad picture, but they're, they're willing to put the broom handle in the wheel of progress. They were willing to crash the plane when it needed to be crashed. They were willing to pull the plug and say, we got to stop this right now. And I want to tell you, those are loving things to do, loving things to do. As Paul walked into that city, he wasn't welcome because he had the same message that they shared in that city. He came in knowing that it was a different message, but he was willing to tell. And for fathers, you need to be willing to tell. You need to be willing to look at your children and say, that's the wrong way to go, son or daughter. 
That's, that, that is not what God wants for you. That's not what's best for you. There's a different way. And so we need to be willing to tell. Willing to tell. Please join with me in prayer. Our Father, our Father who loves us so much and has um, given us the perfect picture of a Father, we call upon you. We ask that you would uh, encourage, embolden, and protect the fathers here today. We ask that you, your grace would cover us in our many, many failings. God, I ask that you would stir our hearts to put our hands to the plow and that we would be about the work that you're doing both here in the church and in our homes. God, bless your church. Cause us to uh, be in this loving relationship that Paul describes of family and that our hearts and lives would be flowing towards one another as it's been changed by you. Do your work in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.